and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. This week on Into the Aether, we're talking about video games, specifically right. a fighting game called Soul Calibur VI. <laughs> yeah, so this is actually last episode we ended with me being like kind of pessimistic about it. Yes. Um, I definitely want to talk a little bit more about my history with the series before I get into the game, if that's all right with you. Yeah, absolutely. And it kind of boils into like what, because I've mentioned on this podcast that alongside RPGs, like my other, one of my other favorite genres of games is fighting games. Right. Um, And one of the really nice things about doing this podcast is I'm figuring out what I look for in games, like what I like, which is oh. a strange thing to, to Interesting. think, but like, I'm, I'm kind of like, what are, what are recurring elements of games that I like routinely call out on the show? Yeah. Whereas like when I've heard you talk about fighting games, you know, we've talked a lot about like the melee scene and how you were like learning what goes into that. Mm. And I think your interest in the genre is more of like a mechanical level. Um, mm. Whereas mine has always been like the beauty of like a local multiplayer experience mm, that makes yeah. any sense not that you aren't looking for that but that's kind of anyway i'm rambling a bit but i i have a i have a um, alexander the great like world conquering vibe going on and and you're just here to have fun <laughs> that is, that's not the, <laughs> you know how like when you go outside and you're in a car and you like purposely hit puddles to like splash water on pedestrians oh yeah right and i like love planting trees yeah um that's kind of the differences that the difference that i've picked up between us that is yeah that is our vibe that's why the podcast works so well when i met you and i saw you like someone was like giving you a bag of gold and said that's all i have and then you said never enough and you like snapped and a village exploded uh-huh that's kind of the vibe and then i really like planting trees mm-hmm. so that's kind of the anyway that aside our differences aside um <laughs> Uh (laughs) um so soul caliber i the first one of the series i purchased was two yeah uh, like a lot of people what was up with that why did everyone get two? why was two in the zeitgeist that one year so what's really interesting is that soul caliber began as soul edge which was sort of like namco's new experimental fighting game because tekken has always been like their main fighting series obviously yeah. And Soul Edge came out and was like, oh, you have like every character has their own weapon. That's so cool. That kind of came and went. I don't I mean, I was younger at the time, but I don't remember that having the same kind of like moment in the spotlight as the first Soul Calibur. The first Soul Calibur, I think, was a Dreamcast exclusive. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And that was one of the games that was selling Dreamcasts. Tragically, a couple years later, Soul Calibur 2 comes out on every system that destroyed the dreamcast right. <laughs> i was thinking about that the other day like ps2 gamecube and the first xbox yeah M- most notably for people who haven't played soul Calibur 2 each uh each version of it on the different consoles got one special character that was yeah. just on that console so if you played on gamecube you could play as link uh who is it Hihachi from tekken Hihachi was in ps2 yeah was ps2 and then because there was no like main xbox character yet they just put spawn in yeah because seth mcfarlane actually helped some of the seth mcfarlane i can't believe i just said seth mcfarlane <laughs> i was like wow is Seth mcfarlane worked on soul caliber 2 if you got it on dreamcast you could play as brian from <laughs> 
yeah, yeah. The the Game Boy Advance port. Uh, you could play as Stewie. I can't believe we're already stumbling into this lore like by accident, like a minute into the show. But anyway, um, <laughs> I almost said McFarlane again. I almost just said anyway. Seth McFarlane, Todd McFarlane of Image Comics, helped design mm-hmm. some of the characters. He made Necrid, everyone's right. favorite, and he he also made Peter Griffin. <laughs> The first episode, the, I don't know if you've seen the pilot of Family Guy, but it's like really gritty. Like Peter comes home and he's like looming like a gargoyle on the top of his house. And then Stewie comes in and is like, hey, daddy, why don't you sin? Come on, it's fun. Mm-hmm. And then Brian's like, there is a greater purpose for you coming back from hell. And mm-hmm. audiences were like, this isn't kind of what I'm looking for. Right. But anyway. cult classic, that one episode. <laughs> I'm going to barf. This is the first time I've laughed and like wanted to also throw up. Okay. I'm throwing that all into the trash. Well, Soul Calibur um, 2 sounds great. Soul Calibur 2, <laughs> Todd McFarlane. I'm never, this is my hell. My, my new life is trying to explain Todd McFarlane's role in Soul Calibur 2. <laughs> With over me and on over the other end of the again. phone call. <laughs> it, my, my Sisyphusal curse is uh-huh. trying to explain how he designed Necrid and then being told that it was Seth. And mm-hmm. we get and we fall back into Family Guy spawn. Yeah. yeah, hell is other people, Steven. So your question earlier of why did Soul Calibur 2, like, why was it everywhere? Um, I do think that it was the same magic of Soul Calibur 1, because they're largely the same game. They play very similarly, which is mm-hmm. kind of cool to see, because I, as I mentioned in a really early episode, my roommate has a Dreamcast, and we actually played the first one a lot. And it plays exceptionally well, even still. Um and two kind of brought the magic of the first one to a wider audience because like chances are you had at least one of those systems and you could play it. Yeah. Um, and then there was also, I think the guest characters was a really brilliant way to incentivize having it on a certain console. I had it on PS2 because I just liked the controller better for fighting games. Yeah. Um, I also even had though Hihachi, Yeah. Hihachi was kind of a, a unexciting guest character. He yeah. was cool, but it's well, especially because like, Yoshimitsu was in there already also. Yeah, well, Yoshimitsu's, he's like Namco's, like, de facto mascot. He's in a lot of their stuff. Yeah, I just mean, like, okay, so you're just giving me another Tekken character. <laughs> I remember reading, I'm not sure if this is true, but I remember reading that originally the guest character for PS2 was going to be Cloud from Final Fantasy VII. Oh, holy shit. Um, but there was some trouble with, like, getting Square on board. Uh, so they kind of, like, were like, okay, well, we'll just use someone from Tekken, because, like, why not? Meanwhile, um, Sakurai at Nintendo has gotten Cloud and Peter Griffin in the same yeah. game. <laughs> <laughs> there actually is, there's some like online fighting game. I think it's called Mugen. Have you ever heard of it? Um, no, I don't think so. I don't know like what the deal with it is. I just occasionally like see it pop up online, but it's like a, it's like a, someone, a group of people make it online and it ha- it's like a fighting game with everyone in it. Like, I think Peter Griffin is in it. Oh, wait, yes. This is like a big thing. Cause so there's, um, I'm never going to remember the name of it, but there's a Twitch channel that exists where you go in and they give you a fake currency and you bet the fake currency on computer battles and they'll just pull any character from like the thousands of characters that exist in this game yeah and then you just bet on who you think is gonna win (laughs) it's like a game materialized from every like who should be in smash brothers forum and that became the game basically right yeah as Um, we get closer to a smash brothers game and all the like all the shitty fake leaks of stupid like (laughs) meme character select screens like that is what mugen is for real m-u-g-e-n if you want to look it up 
Yeah. The Babom King. <laughs> the King of the Baboms. Todd McFarlane. Todd McFarlane and Seth. He's the Echo Fighter. Todd <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. I would love if if Todd McFarlane kind of fought like one of the Inkling kids who just like has ink shooting everywhere. <laughs> That's his power. <laughs> this is so weird. Yeah. This is weird even for us. This is the strangest <laughs> bit we've encountered. This is the first time I have drastically tried to stay on topic and just <laughs> sl- like we are tightrope walk and the ocean is just the ink of Todd McFarlane. <laughs> yeah, Todd McFarlane is a fucking gravity well for this podcast, apparently. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? Anyway, talk to me about Soul Calibur. So Soul Calibur 2 was a big part of my, like, having friends over and playing games part yeah, of my life. Same, yeah. I, I honestly think, like, right next to Smash Brothers, Soul Calibur 2 was, like, the other, like, go-to game. Yeah. I think same for me, yeah. And I think the the thing that makes that game really accessible is everyone, you know, with their unique weapons, they all fight very differently. And certain characters are way easier to play than others. So, like, you know, if you're looking for a more kind of technical character with, like, a higher skill ceiling, like someone like Cervantes or Ivy is the way to go. Um, If you're kind of just button meshing, you could play as Nightmare or Valdo and probably still do okay. Yeah. and I just think having, like, obviously in other fighting games, everyone has their own fighting style, but just sort of the visible design of, like, I have the bow staff, I have a katana, you right. know, I have, that just made it really exciting. And, and I think people got really immersed in it because of that, like, immediate accessibility of understanding, mm-hmm. okay, this character has a giant broadsword, they're probably not, you know, fighting like Valdo is yeah. <laughs> with his cat claws. Can you so, describe for people who maybe haven't played Soul Calibur? Just the vibe of Valdo. Valdo, I feel, is one of the most misunderstood characters in gaming. Wow. Okay. He, he, his design at first is kind of like Silence of the Lambs, sort of like Buffalo <laughs> Bill with cat claws. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And he... Very Hellraiser. Yeah. He fights with cat claws and kind of like, even if he's facing back, like he's, he's never not at ease. Um, he's yeah. like if he's facing backwards, if he's on the ground, he like crawls around. Unsettling character, but I feel like in later games, I got more of like a welcoming Rocky Horror vibe from him that I'm kind of into. Oh, yeah, you know, I think if you give Aldo a chance, you can see that he's just trying to dance, but happens to have cat clothes on. <laughs> That's kind of. I don't think he realizes he's hurting anyone. I think he's just trying to like, yeah, you know, you know. In 2018, I do feel like there is like we're we've kind of started dusting off the bones of, of Valdo as like a lovable being. Yeah. There, I did see a Valdo plushie once, which was kind of strange. Yeah. yeah. Namco was like, this is a good idea. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. But yeah. Valdo's uh, <clears throat> one of my go-to characters actually. <laughs> I played uh-huh. as Valdo a lot. <laughs> okay. Um, so two is a wonderful game. Every game since two has kind of been bad. Like, I had three, and it was okay, but didn't really feel the same. And three, for some reason, only came out on PS2. So, like, you kind of limited your audience there. Yeah, I don't think I played um, that one. And there wasn't really anything. Like, two two and one play similarly, but you could tell two was, like, the bigger game. Yeah, There was, like, a really intense single-player mode um, where you did, like, mission-based fights where you might do a fight where you have, like, you know, your health goes down the whole time or whatever. Yeah. Um, those are really fun. And then you can awesome. also unlock new weapons and new costumes and stuff. There's a ton 
of unlockable content in Soul Calibur 2. And I, I played all of that game. It's kind of funny. They reward you by completing Soul Calibur 2 with Lizard Man. He's like the last thing awesome. you get. They're like, you yeah. did it. This is what we had left. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love Lizard Man too. Uh, so 3... Three was actually the first game that introduced character creation, which we'll get into because obviously it's a big topic with six. Um, three just sort of felt off. I can't quite place it. And then four was a nightmare. Four they threw in. They tried to do the guest character uh, that they did right. in two, um, but it was Darth Vader and Yoda. Yeah, and like I think very sixty got Yoda and PS. It just felt very desperate. It was like, what do kids like Star Wars? Okay, Darth Vader. You yeah. know, like yeah. It didn't make sense. Like the whole nothing in this universe in general and in Soul Calibur makes sense. But something about Darth Vader being in the game was just like, <laughs> this is so out of place. Yeah. So four was bad and five was five was real. Like I remember I bought five because I was like, maybe they got it right this time. And I returned it the day of. I just something about it felt really off and half the original roster wasn't in the game. Wait, so you bought the game and then immediately went back to GameStop or wherever? GameStop, everyone's favorite retailer, uh, and then just returned it? Yeah, I got, I returned, I traded it in for like three older games, which I was way happier. Actually, I returned it and got Red Dead Redemption and Dragon Age Origins, which oh. was like an incredible, I like split Soul Calibur 5 in half, and the atoms that composed it were Dragon <laughs> Age Origins and Red Dead Redemption. Uh, you'd um, think that Soul Calibur 5 would be better then. It wasn't like being made up of a, those two. Yeah, it's not a poorly made game. And the thing is, like the the vibe, you know, we talk about the vibe of Valdo. The vibe of the series is like total camp. Like I don't know if they're oh, trying yeah. to tell a good story, but they're not, and it's hilarious. Like, yeah. it just, <laughs> my favorite um, thing of all time is just how every single match starts with like the hearts and minds of the sword. Like that whole thing yeah. is like so fucking dumb. And, and there's no I'm character type. If you're in Soul Calibur, you are either apologizing for everything extremely arrogant or wanting to eat the world those are the three characters mm, yeah. <laughs> there's sorry and huh you think you could fight me and, <laughs> <you know? laughs> and then that's why i like valdo and those are because they kind of feel oddly benign compared to the rest they're just right. like doing their thing they're hanging out yeah they're hanging out i mean valdo even bows to his competitor like after the match like no one else kind of shows that respect i'm really I'm turning you. turning around turning a new leaf on valdo here he's a bit more aggressive in this one uh in six so i yeah. think my theory's kind of been debunked um <laughs> well it's been 14 years of being misunderstood i get why he's a little more aggressive at this yeah, point he's like exactly i just want to be loved and i just want to express myself through dance yeah his yeah exactly there actually is a costume for Valdo in Soul Calibur 2 that looks a lot like the Xenomorphs from Alien. It's the third yeah. costume you unlock. Yeah, That's I remember my favorite that one. one. So yeah, so every game after 2 was kind of bad, and 5 was sort of like, uh, a lot of people were disappointed with it. And 5 came out in 2012, which I just, I always associate the early, the early 2010s, which is a phrase I never said. But that era was like fighting games were everywhere. Like that was when Marvel versus Capcom three was big. Yeah. Um, Street Fighter four was still big. Um, the the reboot of Mortal Kombat had just come out. Mortal Kombat nine, which was like them being like, hey, I think they found more success with Injustice. But that was that was Mortal Kombat being like, we're also back and we're making like a real fighting game. Yeah. So this new Soul Calibur kind of feels like what Mortal Kombat 9 was trying to do, where they're returning to the series roots and kind of doing like a soft reboot. So uh, I bought it the day I bought it like a couple of days ago. It's only been out for a couple of days and I kind of bought it like you did with Assassin's Creed 
pretty apathetic. I was like, if this sucks, I've been down this road before. Mm-hmm. Um, I can trade good, it in for Red Dead Redemption and Dragon Age Inquisition. Exa- again. Again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can, exactly. I can do, trade it in for Red Dead 2 and whatever the new Dragon Age is. It's, it's really fun. Um, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, the game feels a lot like the older ones. Um, some of the characters are changed up. I played one and two enough that I know certain characters like unconsciously at this point. Yeah. Um, so some of them are really different. Like Mitsurugi feels a lot more defensive and reactionary, which is kind of cool. Um, which actually makes more sense for his kind of fighting style. And there are a couple new characters, uh, like Gro, who is like edgelord, nothing personal assassin Good. type. Yeah, for all, for all the get, people who plays Reaper in Overwatch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think his line at the beginning is like, it's not about you, it's just another contract. I don't care. Good. I'm like, all right, pal, prove it. Show, don't tell, you know? Gro is every AIM screen name manifested into a Soul Calibur costume <laughs> or character. Uh, his weapon is cool, though. He has a, like, dual blade that can split into two different swords. Mm. So he's fun to play as. And Geralt is the guest character this time around from Witcher oh, 3. Oh, I forgot that they put Geralt yeah. in there. Um, okay. Which he fits in wonderfully because even though Witcher 3 has, like, I there are no words to describe how much better the story in Witcher 3 is than Soul Calibur 6. So <laughs> I'm not even going to waste my breath. But yeah. in terms of, like, his character and sort of, like, the tone, he fits right in. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like Darth Vader. Um, yeah. And he actually plays really interestingly. So he has his two swords um, and he also can use everyone else has like a kind of special move meter where if it fills up, you can either do a soul charge or your special move um, yeah. and, and everyone has different ones. And he can actually use part of his meter to do like his spells from the game. So he has like fire. He has the shield he can put up. Um, it's really cool. He definitely plays like he does in the game. And I think. He's a successful character like Link was back in two because they both kind of fit into the fantasy world and they also have like you're excited to play as them because they have items and abilities from their own games that are utilized in this game and it works. So yeah and I think the other thing they added was a, a, a common critique of five was that there wasn't enough single player content so this time around they made a like confusingly in-depth like rpg narrative for your custom-made character oh good um it's called libra of soul i believe of course (laughs) um and you make a character and that character like you there's like a moral system where you could be good or bad and you like run into god characters along the way it's it is super goofy and like so much there's so much to it (laughs) and it's it's even better by the fact that you can make this character a mummy um, yeah. and just play as a mummy or the, the character creator lets you choose from like some, you know, preset races. Some of them aren't as customizable as like human, obviously. And some of them are literally just like a human, but with a cat tail. It's like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some that are a mummy, which is just, <laughs> I can't get, like, I made a mummy and I was like, what do I add? This is perfect. I just wanted. <laughs> That's my whole character. Yeah. This okay. is my character now. Yeah. So I made a mummy, um, skeletons. I made bone saw, but as a skeleton, that was oh, the first good. character I made. Yeah. The I've seen a creator... lot of undertale stuff on Twitter. Yeah. Twitter right now is lovely in that every time I open it up, I just see another absolutely ridiculous character that was created in Soul Calibur. It seems so robust. I sent you a horrific Kirby. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that was terrifying. Which was really good. Um, yeah. Honestly, the character creator, and there's obviously a lot of horrific stuff that we won't get into that's been made, but um the character creator is wild. It is so in-depth. It you can really do anything. Um and you unlock more and more pieces as you as you play the game. So you oh, unlock that's more good. like attire and stuff. Um so yeah, so it's it's just funny that like they give you this insane character creator to make like the wildest possible like creation of your of your wildest dreams or nightmares, and then it's like cool, let's give that a story, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. Um, but I appreciate that. Um, both the story modes are 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 wild. They're not you know like you're not there for the story. I mean, yeah. like it's charming in a way. It's charming in the way that you uh you brought up with that. Um, Nintendo mobile game you're playing. Um, oh yeah, I think it's you completely said the phrase, detached. Like, it's just so detached from like reality that yeah. like it's oddly comforting. Um, that's kind of the vibe I get from like the story in Soul Calibur. It just it's just so yeah. it's like a stew of archetypes that doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, j- just the <laughs> fact that like a bunch of people sat in a room and they were like, "This is the story," and everyone's like, "Yeah, this feels really good," you know, and then just yeah. like didn't change it and just released it like that. Like something about that optimism really brings me comfort for sure. And uh, so I've been, I've been really loving it. I'm really having fun with the character creator. I'm really having fun playing with my roommates. That's really the incentive of why I got it. I mean, fighting games for me have kind of been like growing up the game. I used to play with my family a lot. Like we would play Mario Kart and stuff. My dad and I would play Tekken all the time. And that was like, we would just like talk and catch up while we play a Tekken. And So there's a part of me that kind of associates fighting games with like odd, like ambient background noise in a way, yeah, like a more involved totally. background noise. So, and that's what I do with, uh, with my roommates when we played Soul Calibur one and two, we would just play and, and talk. Although I think I'm enjoying that more than my roommates do because they're actually trying to like focus on the game. And I'm like, yeah, so growing up was kind of cool, I guess. And like, <laughs> Shut up. Um, <clears throat> mm-hmm. so I would recommend this game if you have been a fan of the older games and kind of missed that. I think it does capture the spirit of the older ones, and it certainly plays like them with some new combat mechanics that I think add to it. Um, I don't know if anyone new to the series would really be into it. It does feel like it's from a different like timeline. It, Mm -hmm. It feels like it's not a product of 2018. Yeah, and there is a lot of stuff about it that I strongly dislike. Like I really don't like the mechanic of your armor falling off as you fight what is up with that well so what happens is when you do like a especially powerful move or like you're just winning a lot the other characters like armor will get damaged okay which is cool in the sense that it kind of adds like drama to the fight like by the end you might just be like completely you know open the problem is, it's just like, in, for lack of a better phrase, it's incredibly like horny. It's just like constantly uh, like, yes, yes, yes. you know, and it does, if it only happened to the women, I wouldn't have purchased this game because that would just feel like, it still feels gross. Um, yeah. And I don't like it. Um, it happens to the guys too, but not as much. And it just creates an alienating tone where like, you know, this, this game is clearly meant to be enjoyed by like anyone and kind of sexualizing characters by default based on gender kind of like makes it feel like it's like made by 14 year old boys you know yeah just like kind of embarrassing 
Um, the whole game is so campy and like over the top that it's not like that jarring. If it was actually trying to tell a real story, it would stand out more. But it is kind of gross. I'm not into it really. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it's I'm still enjoying the game. But that's just sort of something that I that I feel weird about. Right. Yeah. Um, I, that's I don't know your take on that is. Oh yeah, I mean that that shit is really bothersome. I remember the one game that was like so bad that i i bought it and immediately stopped playing it as soon as i realized i think oh shit what was it called dragon dragon's crown you ever play dragon's crown no it was this unbelievably beautiful painted like side scroller rpg um some some of the best art i've ever seen in a game like this but so overly sexualized that it was like disgusting and I like literally yeah. I loaded the game up and it was like select a character. And I was like, oh, God, that's what this game is. And then yeah. stop playing it immediately. And um, the thing is, like, I, get, I get what you're saying. I feel like it all boils down. At least this is just my opinion. Um, and again, this is a bigger conversation. Um, and I, I don't think there's any like specifically concrete conclusions to come to. But I think when you're designing a character, you have to think like, what is the what is the character meant to be read as? Right. Like, what is their character and how can you express that visibly? So a character like Ivy, even though it is like over the top, she her whole vibe is like, I'm a dominatrix. So it doesn't really bother me as much. Whereas a character like Sophitia is just like the good guy of the series. So like, why is she so sexualized? You know, Mm -hmm. that's where it stands out, where it's like. I feel like you're sexualizing certain characters by default and it feels like uh um just like male gazy and gross, you know? Yeah. Um yeah. there's nothing wrong with with like sexuality goes into all design, but I think when it's like the default is over the top for all women characters is like gross and backwards. Yeah. Um and maybe I'm a hypocrite for still buying the game, even though I feel that way. But something about, again, just the like the the goofiness of Soul Calibur, like I, I can't be that bothered by it just because like it's not really trying to do anything like does that make sense? I yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's, it's a it's it's comfort food, right? It's it's a game where you can turn your brain off and just hang out. And that's kind of I think what a lot of people need and want these days, especially yeah. at our age sure you know yeah um so that that's my that's my one it's like the one elephant in the room when i'm playing this game is like i'm enjoying the whole vibe and then like my pants fall off i'm like all right (laughs) (laughs) um although it's like you know that's that's why i like valdo because he's just like i'll just cut to that step like you don't even have to knock this stuff off me i'm just gonna enter the battle with everything (laughs) out (laughs) so again that's also why i love valdo because he's just doing his part you know, yeah. the dudes aren't going to show their skin. I'll do it. Okay. Yeah. Throw me in the ring. Right. That's why I dance, man. And Brian doesn't even have any clothes. He just has a collar. <laughs> so. But yeah, I, I would rec- I would still recommend it if you <laughs> like the old games and it does. Fe- it's like comfort food from a different decade, basically. Yeah, it does sound of- like it is a game for people who are nostalgic about Soul Calibur 2 and not people who are looking for a new fighting game to play. Yeah, I don't think like I do think that the. Uh, so compared to the Mortal Kombat from 2011 that kind of rebooted that series, I'm not like huge into Mortal Kombat, but that certainly was like a huge step up from the games that came before. Yeah. Um, and that game did feel like a re-entry, a re-entry point for the series. Um, 
I don't think anyone who hasn't played Soul Calibur is going to pick this up and be like, wow, I can't wait to get more into this. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. I just think that excuse me, the main appeal is people who really love the first two games. That seems to be like the whole intention in this game is, hey, this is like the first two games. We, we know we right. kind of messed up with the last three. So. Yeah. I wonder if they're, if they're angling this towards the competitive scene. Like, are they trying to get this on a stage at Evo or something? Or are they just completely content with putting this game out just for, like, fans of Soul Calibur and that's it? Yeah, I wonder. I do, I do remember reading that if this game didn't sell well, which I think it has based on just, like, discussion online and stuff. I mean, I know most yeah. of the attention's going to the character creator, but um if this is sort of like the last attempt at keeping Soul Calibur alive, if this game was a flop, um it would have just been like the end of the series basically. Yeah. So, I think that their intention is more like this fight or fight mode of like how do we keep this series alive? Right. Um but I do think that they probably would want it on in you know, in Evo just like Tekken, right? Yeah. Um It'd be cool to have that. I mean, it's a, it's a really fun game, and it's fun to watch, and it's fun to play. Yeah, I, I would recommend it. And you can make skeletons. Yeah. So you don't to- <laughs> Talk about, like, a brilliant, brilliant marketing strategy, though, right? It's just, like, just put a character creator in your game that's so wild that everyone that- has to share out the pictures of the crazy shit they're making. Now that you mention it, that actually might be the main selling point for someone who is new to the series. It might yeah. be like, oh, I don't really have any attachment to like Killick or Zhang Hua, but like I can make anything and yeah. and and just have like an entire because there are like a hundred slots for characters, so you could make a lot. Yeah. The, That's awesome. The the main roster almost feels like they're there to like give you fodder for your creations. Yeah, I last <laughs> um, night I on my uh, when I was. Um, on my way back from a wedding that I was at, I was just like drunkenly hovering over the buy button on Soul Calibur because I saw someone created Isabel from Animal Crossing, but like huge and jacked. (laughs) And I was like, would it be crazy to buy this game just for the character creator? No, not at all. Cause it it is wild. Like the, the one for five was pretty good too. Yeah. This one's even more cause the, the the thing where you can get really creative is, you know, you have like all the different attire and you could change the colors and, and all that. Um, but whenever you change the color of an item, you can also add a pattern and there's like a ton of patterns to choose from and mm. you can customize within that. And then there's an option. And this is where people get really creative where you can just like add geometric shapes to the character. OK, so you can basically use those as like building blocks to like make whatever. Um, OK, so that sounds awesome. It, yeah, so like you can add like uh I don't know if you wanted to make like um like a necklace or something that wasn't like available, you could maybe like use a bunch of shapes to do it. Or wow. if you want to make like if you want to if you were making like oh, I want to make this like Mega Man, you could add like big circles to his shoulders, you know, to give him that like kind of look. Yeah. Um it's, it's super it's super involved. It's almost too much power. Like <laughs> within one day, everyone's all like, "Okay, everyone's making like not suitable for work lizard men." Like in one day, <laughs> they figured it out. Yeah. Um. So that's always yeah. my weakness: is games with like really intense character creators. Even games that don't have intense character creators, I get like way too sucked into. Like we're gonna talk about Dark Souls on Switch later. Like before, I I took maybe a solid hour 
this morning just in the character creator before I started playing Dark Souls because I just wanted to make a character that looked normal and not like any of the defaults, which are all like <laughs> strange homunculus <laughs> looking yeah, people. For sure. Um but like every game that has an in-depth character creator before I start playing, that that is all I do for like hours. Kind of kind of yeah. like how every game with a photo mode, like I spend more time in photo mode than anything else. Same thing with character yeah. creators. I think you would love the character creator. I think you would get a kick out of the like intense RPG narrative that you can experience with whatever monster you make. Yeah. I mean, obviously um, I would just like load in and just make the most picture perfect, accurate Waluigi possible. Oh yeah. You know, cause if I can't have them in smash, then I'm absolutely going to have them in soul caliber six. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think you would actually like the game too. I mean, I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of cool mechanics to talk about. Um, so there's the special move, which everyone has a unique one where like, uh some characters when you do the special move might stomp and if a character is like right next to them that's how they get caught um mm-hmm. someone like taki temporarily becomes like invisible and then strikes the enemies it's really good to do that while they're attacking yeah um so there's a lot of like what a big part of the game is learning what the other characters are capable of and like what their moves are and kind of working around that um and the, the new feature which i forgot to bring up is kind of like a hail mary for the defense of a match where if you're just getting like pummeled you can push a button that you charge up and if you land the attack it brings both characters into this weird like slow-mo zone okay basically as as a lot of people pointed out it basically becomes like a rock paper scissors thing so you kind of throw in a small element of probability and luck into a skill-based match um so you would basically do that if you're like all right i feel like this person is like way above my skill level and they're just like comboing me to death like is there any chance i can get out of this and you can do that move to maybe try Mm. um which i think is interesting that was the mechanic that i was most weary of seeing the development of the game before it was released yeah um and i I do think it's just a cool option to have that kind of oddly enough helps new players like feel a little bit more um empowered to play yeah bit. that gives them an option because i think like with a game like i don't know if you ever played marvel vs. capcom 3 if you're fighting someone who knows what they're doing in that game you cannot move like you're just done right. yeah you just watch you watch your character get destroyed by dante and friends for 20 minutes and then it's over yeah um so giving the defensive player like an option that may not work but it's just like okay this will give you at least a chance to break out of this that in addition to the guard break, which has been a mechanic since the first one, um, gives defense like a bit more options, which I think is interesting. Yeah. How um, does that play out? So so you go into this rock, paper, scissors mode, say you, the losing party, or like say you, the person who initiated this because you were getting destroyed, say you win that rock, paper, scissors, what happens to you and what happens oh, to yeah. the Oh yeah. So basically like it's like horizontal, vertical, or like kick. There's a few other options, but each one beats the other kind of thing. So mm-hmm. if I were to do the slow motion and and hit, um, all it basically does is it goes back to real time and they take a hit and like you know you resume the match basically. So oh okay, it, so it's not it like would, destroying their health or anything. It's no, just like no, you would just get in from like getting comboed. Exactly, you get in a hit and like break out of that current momentum. They could, I mean, if you're playing someone who knows what they're doing, they can then just go right back to pummel yeah. you. But it gives you like a brief window of 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 chance to to come back. Mm. which i think is interesting that could create some really interesting matches where 
someone might be down like the brink of health they pull off that move and then maybe they can come back a bit yeah Um, thinking about that from a competitive angle that actually does create i i could see that mechanic having a very 50 50 opinion split in that community i think Uh, so you know i think so i mean it's it is throwing in a little bit of luck into a match um but you also have to like consciously do it and it is like kind of hard to pull off you have to like charge it up um i could see competitive players like not using it or maybe like there's a rule like where it's banned or something yeah um but i think like for from a colloquial colloquial level it's it's a nice addition Mm. um yeah, so I, I, I'm really impressed. I, I kind of went in again. I was apathetic. I was weary of it. There was a lot of things I didn't like about it and continue to not like about it. But at the end of the day, it's like a big bowl of cheese whiz. It's just like the corniest. <laughs> it's the corniest game of all time. And yeah. I kind of like that. It sounds great. Yeah. Um, I would buy it, but Red Dead Redemption 2 comes out in five days. Yeah, and I feel like this is also a game that will probably drop in price eventually. Oh, yeah um so they have a bunch of dlc um, already planned right or like yeah so like they already the have they have day one dlc which was which was something that i was kind of like all right about um you yeah. can download tira who is a character that was introduced in the third one i'm not really that interested in doing that uh <laughs> right <laughs> if they were like you can download lizard man i'm like i can make my own lizard man thank you yeah um, <laughs> I can even name him Lizard Man. I can do whatever yeah. I want. Oh, and the cool thing is that when you make a character, you can get you their moves are determined by which character you link them to. So like if you give them Siegfried's sword, they oh, will fight that's like cool. Siegfried. Yeah. So the benefit of having like Tira, even if you didn't want to play as Tira, you could then use Tira's weapon if you wanted to use that for somebody. Interesting. Um, she fights with like a big circle. It's strange. It's oh. like Okay. It's like a circle with like it's like a circular blade basically. Oh yeah, I'm um, looking at it right now. Yeah. A big wheel. A big wheel. She fights by riding a big wheel around. Yeah, she's sort of like Harley Quinn-esque, I want to say. I don't really remember her that well, but I fought someone I fought someone who was playing as her online and I got Harley Quinn vibes. Mm. Oh, I'm glad uh Raphael is still in this game. Yeah, he's he's hilarious. He's always been my my go to. Him and Keelik, the uh, bow staff guy. Yeah, they're both in it. Um, most of the original roster is in it. Um, That's good. I was kind of disappointed that Cassandra wasn't in it because she was my main character in two. Um, oh, she's not. No, I I could imagine her being DLC though. Like that's you know probably what they're gonna do. Ezio was in one of these games from Assassin's Creed, right? <laughs> that he was in five. Yeah. Yeah. He also fits in. Just five was not. Five was starring like the kids of a lot of the Soul Calibur cast. It was kind of like Fire Emblem. Ah, uh, uh, yes. And like everyone was like, great, I don't want this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure. Well, yeah, like Killick wasn't in it. Like all these like main, you know, that that's like if you're gonna do one thing right as a fighting game, is you have the characters everyone likes. Right. Them. Yeah, that's nobody like nobody wants a Tiny Toons Adventures version of Soul Calibur. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, Mecha Lizard Man is in this one. Like, no, I don't want it. Yeah. No, you can play you. as Tadpole Boy. No. <laughs> I don't want this. Yeah. Instead of Nightmare. Hi. What are my, the forums my name is thinking? Nightmare. This is my son, Bad Dream. <laughs> Hi, I'm Inferno. I hope you like my son, Ember. Um, he's in the roster. Uh huh. 
the character I was kind of sad wasn't in it was Rock. He was only in the first one. Oh, he's in the first one and the third one. He's basically like Astaroth, but he's this like really buff dude with like an elephant's like face on his face. Oh, he's like wearing like a woolly mammoth's head. Um, he's fucking awesome. What's his he name? He wasn't in it. Rock. Just Rock. Yeah, just Rock. Oh hell yeah! Look at this guy. Yeah, he's awesome. Wow, he was a rhino in one game, an elephant yeah. in another. Wow, good for him. There's an, my other favorite character was in the, the best part of three was there was a character called Alcadan, who was just a really buff dude with an owl's head. And he had one of my favorite lines in a video game when he won a match. He would go, you're a long ways off against going against me for real. I'm like, what a sentence. <laughs> there are like eight moving semicolons in that. <laughs> you're a long ways off against going against me for real. <laughs> I love oh. him so much. Wow, I love that. He well, was like uh, the edge master. He could he could use any weapon, so he was like everyone combined. Oh wow, yeah. I don't know if there's any unlockable characters in this game. I I kind of hope there are. That's always been the fun of fighting games for me is like unlocking stuff. It seems like the main unlockable thing is just more items for character creation. Yeah, um, which I'm happy to see because I was like, is that also going to be DLC? I'm certain there will be like certain DLC items, but. I mean, based just on the internet solely, uh, there doesn't seem to be a lack of materials for pretty amazing results. So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yes, yeah, Soul Calibur 6. Get it if you're a fan of 1 and 2, or if you want to make a bunch of weird stuff. Yeah. If you're a fan of 3, 4, or 5, what should you do? Um, <clears throat> if you're a fan of 3, 4, or 5, I assume you are in the closed Mars 2112 building. Uh, <laughs> Kind of hanging on to things that didn't quite work out. Uh, watching what I would assume is Big Wolf on campus on VHS. Uh, just keep doing your thing because someone has to. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Have we talked about Mars 2112 on this podcast? We did in Lost Audio. Should we take a break and then turn this into the break? Should we? Yeah, let's take a break. Let's. I want to separate Mars 2112 from Soul Calibur. Let's take a break. Goodbye, cruel world. <laughs> Yeah, okay, Mars 2112. Where was... It was, like, in the heart of Manhattan. It was in, like, the financial district. It was, like, a themed tourist restaurant, basically. Yeah, imagine the Rainforest Cafe, which I think also doesn't exist anymore, or maybe there's, like, one or two left. There's one in Chicago. Is there? Um, yeah. So, it's the Rainforest Cafe, but you, you're in space, on, in Mars, in, in the year 2112, and all of the, <laughs> all of the servers are, are aliens. Like aliens, yeah. And the food, though, is like paradoxically not sci-fi at all. It's just like Applebee's. Right. <laughs> they, they just they just name it, you know, to, to be it's like moon ooh. moon hamburger. Right. <laughs> yeah. That that really was a level of effort. Surprise the, that the place uh, does not exist anymore. All the zero gravity diet Coke um, <laughs> and uh, the Beetlejuice French fries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have the moon cheese mozzarella sticks. Yes. They're out of this world. And then there was a strange, there was like a projection of a alien that was kind of posing like they were meditating and they would do strange hand signals and it would like trans, there was a fake language that only Mars 2112 created. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> I would love if anyone could like unearth that footage and be like, this is officially Mars 2112 like lingo. I would love if we were the first podcast 
to mention this restaurant? No, just to be j- just to be recorded entirely in Mars 2112's language. <laughs> games. Games. Video games. Brendan. Hey. You have a spooky game to bring to the table. Halloween's approaching. Yeah. Uh, this is the penultimate week, right? Before Halloween. It is, yeah. Penultimate Halloween. Uh, <laughs> what spooky game are you experiencing? Yeah, so... Um, Two things. Previously on this podcast, I mentioned that I was no longer playing this game for a little bit because it felt like a job. And also previously on this podcast, we uh, delineated what was spooky and what was scary. And I would say mm. that this is definitely in spooky territory, definitely not in scary territory. This is like Disney Channel Halloween. Uh, just gotcha just to clarify. Um, currently, I'm playing the uh, Destiny 2 event. It's a three-week event, and it's called Festival of the Lost, mm. and uh, it is probably my favorite thing, my second favorite thing, I'll say, that happens in Destiny annually. Festival of the Lost is basically uh, this event where everybody in the tower gets masks. You can, like, put a mask on, it'll be, like, a mask of, like, any of the characters that are in the tower, like, all of the NPCs, all of the bosses that you fought, and things like that. Uh, and you go around, and you shoot enemies and collect candy. Oh, that's that's amazing. And they do up the 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 tower, which is like the main social hub. It's basically just like lined with candles and like lights and stuff. Uh, they they do like the classic like spooky organ music, uh, and there's like lightning and people screaming and stuff as you're like running around. It's really 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 goofy, and it is like so wholesome and fun, and is like probably my favorite thing that's happening in Destiny. What I really love about this one. Um, this is the first time I've done it since Destiny 2 was launched. What I love about it in this instance is that it's three weeks long. That gives you just enough time to basically finish all of the bounties, all the uh, all the quests that they give you just for this event. And then if you turn them all in, you get a gun that is at the highest level that you could possibly get a thing in Destiny 2 right now. Like it is mm. at the level cap. So for the people like me who don't have enough time to really play that game, and last week I talked about it kind of being a job and like I didn't really enjoy the experience of going in and playing these bounties over and over and over again and doing these quests over and over again just to level up incrementally every single time. It gives people like that a really fun avenue to just like go shoot some enemies, get some stupid candy stuff, wear a dumb mask, uh, just like goof around in Halloween mode. And then get a cool thing at the end that increases your level like ridiculously. That's awesome. It's really, really nice. It's really nice. So the main thing that they're doing in Festival of the Lost this year, which I think is really lovely. Did you play um, the first DLC? It's called Curse of Osiris. No, I, th- I think I've just done vanilla. I, oh, okay. I, uh, yeah. So without, I guess, going into too much of what happens in Curse of the Osiris, one, <laughs> of, the, one of the big things there was this uh, place called the Infinite Forest, which was... Um, the Vex, which are like robot aliens, yeah, they, yeah. they have this simulation, uh, this thing called the Infinite Forest. It's a simulation of every possible event that ever could happen and also oh. allows them to replay every event that has happened. Oh, wow. So they go in and this is how like the Vex do their battle training is they'll just like run through simulations of every single possible thing over and over and over again, which is a very cool idea for, for an environment to explore because it just continually generates itself. Was, was kind of how it was billed uh, and is not what ended up happening when it came out, which bummed a lot of people out. Um, They thought it was going to be like a randomly generated thing where every time Mm. you went in, it would be something new um, and ended up being very by the books. What they've done for the Halloween event, which is lovely, 
is it actually is randomly generating itself now. And instead of the infinite forest, it's the haunted forest. Uh, and again, very spooky. It's very dark in there. You have a flashlight and stuff. And it's essentially a randomly generating horde mode where you go through the, the haunted forest um, and you can load in with either a fire team or they'll matchmake for you, which is the first time Destiny has ever allowed you to have matchmaking in an event like this. Um, but they'll load you in and you just run through this like dark, spooky place with like lightning and stuff going all over the place and like haunted organ music. And they just throw enemies at you. And if you beat enough of the enemies, you fight a boss. And when you fight the boss, it loads you back into a new generated harder version of the forest. And you continue to do that as many times as you can. I think in 15 minutes, there's different waves. I think it goes up to 15 or 20. I think the most that people have gotten through at this point so far is 12. Because uh, it gets like so ridiculously hard towards the end. So I don't think anyone's beaten it yet, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Because that's that's kind of unheard of for something in Destiny that it hasn't been like completely beaten yet. Yeah, for sure. But basically, you just continue to run this over and over again. And at the end of it, you get a whole bunch of candy, which you can then later, if you get enough of it, turn it in for that gun that's at the highest light level. It's just like a really nice thing. Destiny, I, I find, has events constantly, which are like, okay, this is one week long and it really sucks like it's like a real <laughs> bummer to try and do it like one of them one of the ones that just happened this week was called iron banner which is used to be my favorite thing in destiny and is now just like a hellstorm. like i hate doing it because it's essentially uh crucible just regular pvp but your power level matters so instead of like everyone being at the same level in terms of like doesn't matter what gear you have doesn't matter what weapons you have like you're just going in Depends on the stats of your weapons, but not the actual like power level of it. And then you just fight each other. What it is now is your your power level is taken into consideration. So if somebody uh, is at the max level cap and someone yeah. like me who doesn't get to play that much is like 50 <laughs> levels below that, I just get rocked immediately. I have no yeah. chance. And that is not a fun thing to do. That is not an enjoyable experience. No. So to have this event, which is like very wholesome, very stupid, very like tongue in cheek, like it knows how dumb it is. And then to just let me go in and play this randomly generated thing, it is exactly what you were just talking about with Soul Calibur. It's a way to turn my brain off and just hang out with my friends and just like shoot the shit while we're like literally shooting shit. <laughs> yeah, and that's really important to have, you know, like that's we, we've explored the idea of, of guilty pleasures. And, and, and I do wish there was a different term for that. Um, I'm trying to think of a better name, but just having that kind of experience where where games can become like a social kind of thing it really shows the power of it being a an mmo in a sense i guess you can count it as that in some way but and i think with with playing online we often lose the kind of the human interaction of it and i don't know if destiny is inherently designed to like promote that but it sounds like at least your experience is centered around that that yeah from what i understand of hearing or from hearing the developers of Bungie talk about how they designed Destiny 2, like that is very much what they were going for. Yeah. Um, one of the best analogies I've ever heard for Destiny is like it is the same as sitting on a couch and watching a basketball game with your friends or like watching yeah. a football game with your friends. Like, yeah, you're there to watch the game, but you're really there to like hang out with people and just like talk about whatever. Sure. That's what playing Destiny feels like after you've done all the content once. Like once you've gone through the thing and you're like, okay, I have now experienced a story. Once you have to replay that at some point, which, um, you know, is is the core part of Destiny. Truly, that is the end game. It just becomes hanging out with your friends, you know, because everybody knows how to do everything. You know, all the cues, you know, all the mechanics, you know, all the puzzles like you kind of know everything ahead of time. That's one of the reasons that I always say, like, if you're playing Destiny by yourself, 
probably not the game for you. Like, mm. I just would not recommend it. But if you have a solid group of people to play it with, it's a great time. It's a great experience. Yeah. Some of the most fun I've had in that game is just dancing with strangers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's great. They just added a, an emote wheel so you can have four different emotes at any given time now <laughs> i love the exo dance where they kind of do like a weird robot where they mm-hmm. like sway my exo is also like a really like bulky dude and he's just like dancing i love it were you a titan yeah i was a titan i was an exo titan yeah i feel like um, you'd be a titan yeah i like your uh your like astrology read of me with with like yeah you're a titan all over yeah no i there's i don't know there's cer- certain kinds of people have you know they lean one way or the other um, I like that. I yeah. take that as a compliment. Yeah. I, if you're like, oh, you're definitely a hunter. Well, that's like, the oh. thing. Years ago, when I first signed up for the Destiny Alpha, when we were writing for that site, yeah, I, I picked Hunter. Mm-hmm. And I, I played Hunter all through Destiny 1, and then for most of Destiny 2. And then suddenly I woke up uh, recently when Forsaken came out, and I was like, you know what? I think I feel like a Titan now. Now I play uh, Titan exclusively. Would you characterize yourself if we're kind of making like a Myers-Briggs out of Destiny yeah, 2 Yeah, I classes? would love to do this, yeah. Would you characterize yourself as a hunter? Is that your kind of personality? Mm, I think I think that was the case until recently. I don't know. I don't know what in my brain switched, but I identify more with the Titan mindset now than the hunter mindset. I wonder. So in astrology, you have like the three big signs are your rising sign, mm-hmm. your sun sign and your moon sign. Mm-hmm. Um, your sun sign is like what you know, like your month and, and day and all that. Yeah, um, that's what most people say. Like, oh, I'm a Aries or whatever. That's their sun sign. Yeah, um, I know a lot about this stuff. I want to hear about it because I have never really had an in-depth conversation <laughs> or learned a lot about anything outside of the sun sign. I inexplicably like know a ton. I would also highly recommend just for a good read. I'm not super into horoscopes, but I do love Susan Miller's Astrology Zone. It's incredible. What is uh, it? What makes it so good? Every month you just get a horoscope for your sign, and it's like. Sometimes it feels like, you know, as these things are written to be, it feels very like accurate and inspiring. And then sometimes it's like remarkably specific. We'll be like, you know, just don't buy electronics this month. Um, and it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> also, yeah. without fail, every time I planned a trip home, Mercury is in retrograde. Like every single time they're like, don't go on a plane. I'm like, I got the ticket, Susan. I'm sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I know it's typical Aries, right? But anyway, Aries. I bring that all up because... Rising, so your sun sign is like your, I always kind of characterize it like ego, super ego and id, roughly speaking. Mm-hmm. So your sun sign is your ego. It's like your overall self. Yeah. Your rising sign is how like your actions are perceived and like how, like sort of like your outer personality. Uh-huh. Um, so I guess that would be like your super ego. And then your moon sign is like your emotions and how you internalize things, how you think about things and process things. And that's. Yeah. Kind, I guess that wouldn't really be id because it is sort of like your unconscious, but it, it, I sort of think of it like outward, overall, inner. That makes sense. Yeah. So bring that all up because conveniently there are three classes in Destiny, mm-hmm. and you could say maybe you are, you know, you're maybe a hunter rising, but secretly a Titan Moon. You know. Yeah. You never know. Um, so you... I hope that had a payoff for you because boy, did it take a long time to get to. <laughs> Do you believe in that? Do you believe in in the astrology side of things? Um, I ask myself this every day because I feel like it started off kind of ironic and then I started to like really enjoy it. 
I don't yeah. believe in horoscopes. I don't think that's at all a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the daily horoscopes, like today is a good day to open doors, but don't open too many. Like, what the hell is this? Yeah. But the personality stuff, I do think it's interesting that you do see a lot of recurring elements. Like, you know, if you were to do your Myers-Briggs, which is also pseudoscience, I know, but yeah, you would notice a lot of similarities and recurring traits in your astrology sign to your Myers-Briggs and any kind of like workplace personality test, which like I've often been, you know, at required to take a lot of them say the same kind of thing. And then you could argue like, okay, is this because at some point in your life you were told that you were this and now you're just kind of like acting as that subconsciously doing it. Yeah. I think it's fun. I don't believe in it, but I do think that it's interesting to me that there exists a parameter of personality and soul based solely on what's in the sky. I think that's a beautiful sentiment. Mm. Um, but I don't, I like, it's fun to talk about and obviously I enjoy talking about it, but anyone who like won't talk to somebody because they're a Scorpio, that's just whack. Like you gotta, right. <laughs> yeah. First of all, Scorpios are rad. Second of all, like don't judge someone for their sign. You know? Yeah, my vibe has always been like, I don't believe in it at all, but I do read mine every day because I stand uh, very specifically in front of the TV on the subway that has the horoscopes every morning. Yeah. So I do read it every day and I do take them into consideration, even if I don't believe them, because usually they're good advice anyway. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, it's never like, like, it's never like, fuck it. Today's going to suck. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It'll just be like, hey, just like stand your ground today or something, you know, S- something like that. It's like, oh, yeah, that's actually probably why not? Why not stand my ground today? Whatever. You're a Gemini. I am a Gemini. Hell yeah. Did I say that or did you just guess that? Who knows? <laughs> I somehow knew it. I, I, I am the worst kind of friend because I think I know almost all of my friends signs, but I don't know their actual birthdays. So like it helps no one. Yeah, it's, it's close <laughs> enough. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry, Brandon. If you're wondering if we're compatible, we are. Aries oh. and Gemini are like good uh, peanut butter and jelly. Oh, nice. The stars. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, Destiny is good. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds great. I now that I have. Why are you laughing at me trying to be on topic? Uh, n- nothing. Just tell. What do you think about Destiny? I think that now that I have a hard drive and have the terabyte I need to play it, I can finally play it with you. Oh, yeah. 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 And Festival of the Lost is free. So, yeah. I do need to, speaking though of, of Halloween events, Splatoon's Splatfest is this weekend. Yeah. It's Trick or Treats, which is yeah. incredible. Uh, I have team, to get Nintendo online still. Oh, that's right. I'm Team Trick because it just seemed right. Uh, yeah. It was uh, Team Trick is a ghost. Um, team yeah. Treat is like a trick or treater. Oh, yeah. What, what am I not going to pick the ghosts for the Halloween event? Exactly. I feel like team. I'm also I've always been on the losing side since I began playing. So <laughs> team treat might very well just sweep. The Maybe floor you should with. just recuse yourself from this Splatfest. Maybe I'll sit this one out. I haven't played it yet and I don't know if I can play it today, but um, it seems a lot of fun. They also gave like a bunch of Halloween items for free. So there's like a Jason mask. Like a Jason hockey mask. Oh, um, there is like devil horns. Uh, there's a few other really cool items they just threw in for free, which I really appreciate. You know what? Um, I'm just gonna get Nintendo Online. I'm just gonna make this happen. I think. They also, if you get Nintendo Online, you get what's called like the online jersey. Right, you're saying, yeah, too. yeah, and online sneakers, which like I would love to have that in real life. Just be like, hey, I'm on the net. <laughs> <laughs> just like with like my email address and in, in bad font. Just yeah. like, hey, I'm on the web. 
<laughs> Surf's up. I'm on the yeah. web. Windows 95 word art. Yeah. Yeah. I have big headphones on and I'm just blasting the like, like the music yeah. that plays when you turn it on. Yeah, the, the Brian Eno. Do you know the Brian Eno did that? Really? Yeah, he, he did the Windows logon noise. Oh, that's amazing. That yeah. makes sense, actually. What a cool credit to have. Yeah, isn't that bizarre? I wonder if he gets royalties every time you turn your computer on. <laughs> well, not anymore. <laughs> but yeah. uh, yeah, who composed the MacBook? <laughs> the bong? The, the Mac bong? I don't know. The Mac bong. I have no idea. I know. Um, oh, shit. Who's, who's that guy that did uh, that song Fireflies? Oh, God. Owl City? Owl City did some of the iPhone ringtones. Oh, did they? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, Destiny. Uh, I will say, before we wrap up the Destiny thing, uh, they just roped together the first two DLCs with the new one. Mm. So if you buy the new one, it's the same price, but it also includes the previous two. Oh, nice. I might yeah. do that, because I'm Which pretty cool. far behind. I feel yeah. like if I update my Destiny, which sounds like a great horoscope um <laughs> yeah when, I, when I, i'm like, on the path in the morning yeah if i open up destiny on my ps4 and then update everything i have to i feel like my ps4 is gonna like grow in size it's gonna like transform or like add a layer it'll to become it. a yeah. ps4 pro yeah yeah exactly have you seen the so, pro do you know what it looks like no i actually don't I it really, literally I don't know. It does just add a layer like you know how it how the ps4 right now is like two things stacked on top of each other the PS4 yeah. Pro is literally, they just put a third thing on top of it, and now oh, yeah. it's a sandwich. <laughs> what was your favorite designed PlayStation? Oh, man. What a big question. I kind of like PS2. Honestly. I think the PS2 Slim. Yeah, that was a good one. PlayStation 3 was kind of whatever. Yeah, the PS3, the, like, the last one they made was okay. But it was, it was very round and strange. I really like, look up the uh, PS1 anniversary PlayStation 4. That thing is awesome. Oh, this is so cool. They this made is, like this is like the definitive. Yeah, this I would I would want this if possible. Yeah. I wonder if they ever make a Dreamcast PS4. That's what I would want. <laughs> I did uh I told you I have the the PS2 uh startup sound and menu on my PS4. Oh yeah, I you know what? Embarrassingly, I tried to find that themes also have. Yeah. Um and there's no real way to search for themes on PS4, unless I'm mistaken. Like, you have to, the only, like, filters you can do for searching for themes are, like, last 30 days or, like, price, basically. Oh, man. So I basically spent, like, an hour scrolling through themes to find, like, that oh, theme. Man. I think you um, can search for it on the web, like, on desktop. Oh, gotcha. and, then, and then just buy it from there. And then you can download it to your PS4 from the web, from online. I was looking, I was thinking about like what systems I love the design for. Yeah. Um, and I was looking at the Dreamcast and I don't really love the Dreamcast necessarily in terms of, I do love the Dreamcast, but not the way it looks, but the game card in the controller did a lot of cool stuff. Like actually in the first, going back to Soul Calibur, in the first Soul Calibur, um, whoever you were playing as there would be like an 8-bit kind of pixel version of them like in a battle stance on the controller that's awesome um, which i thought was really cool uh yeah a lot of dreamcast had a lot of cool innovative ideas that were then just sort of utilized by everyone else like first one with uh online play interactive controllers all that stuff that was dreamcast 
That was Dreamcast, baby. I'm, I'm personally obligated to plug Dreamcast every episode. Can I tell you what I think my favorite piece of a game system was? Yes. On, on the Nintendo Wii, the, the uh, disc slot had a blue LED on the inside. Oh, yeah. That would glow whenever you receive messages or like friend requests and stuff. Yeah. Or like if a game updated or like if stuff happened in a game, so like if you were playing Animal Crossing City Folk and like someone sent you a message, it would like glow. Oh, my God. That was like my favorite thing. Anytime I was walking through my living room and I saw the, the, the Wii glowing, I was like, oh, shit, I got a message. I got to yeah. check my town out. <laughs> <laughs> what does Mr. Rossetti have to tell me this time? My favorite thing is that in, what was it, um, New Leaf, Mr. Rossetti was like kicked out of town and he didn't have the reset, the reset center. Do you know about that? No. What happened with, so, I, I played New Leaf. I don't remember what the deal was with, I think I learned my lesson at that point. So I never reset. Yeah. So the first time you do it, he shows up and he's like, Hey kid. So usually I would, you know, chew you out for not saving, uh, before you turn the game off. But, uh, unfortunately my services are no longer required. So I'll just give you a warning and I'll see you when I see it. And then he just leaves. And after a while, I think you have to like build a couple things in your town already. But after a while, eventually he'll show up again when you turn the game on and he'll be like, hey, if you want me in the town, you can build an office for me. And this is where I'll live. And then Ooh. basically you can pay to have a manhole put in your town somewhere that you can go down. And it's Mr. Rossetti's like reset center. Uh, and if you build that, then he'll show up if you uh, turn off the game without saving from that point on. <laughs> so like you have to like pay money and choose to have him in your town to allow so that So what to happens happen. if you reset New Leaf? Just nothing? Yeah, not really. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. It is kind of interesting to think that Mr. Zetti is like a, like making sure no one messes with time. Yeah. Like he's like, a, I imagine he has like security cameras, but of just different realities kind of thing. <laughs> Something has changed. Yeah, like the big flower. Yeah. You know the, the big flower that shows up in your town if you like time skip? Yeah. That's I how just, he like. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just imagine Mr. Rossetti wakes up one morning and he, he just like. I can smell it. Yeah. Mr. Rossetti's like watching reruns of his favorite show with a hot cup of tea and then his nose starts bleeding and he's like, not again. And then, <laughs> then his family is like, where are you going? Uh-huh. Todd Rossetti? Um, <laughs> I don't know why his name is Todd. Does he have a first name? Um, I don't know. Google Mr. Rossetti's first name. Sonny. His name is Sonny. Sonny Rossetti. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It, this is this is Wikipedia, baby. <laughs> Reception. Sonny Rossetti. Since his appearance, Mr. Rossetti has received mixed rece reception. Yeah. <laughs> That's I think why he's optional in in New Leaf. Oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. Because if you're a little kid and some like freaky mole shows up and just starts yelling at you, that's where a lot of the, the a lot of the tension is here. Yeah, um, a lot of the mixed reviews. Yeah, bizarre. Anyway, I like I like this idea though that his that his uh, reset center just has a like a almost like in the Matrix. Uh, what, what's the guy's name? Oh God, the guy with all the screens who says oh, "ergo" all the time. The architect. The architect. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> kind of what I was envisioning. Like a, a bit more of a humble version of that. So like, yeah, dug into the ground somewhere, trying to drink tea, nose starts bleeding, has to dig into the wormhole that gets him into that reality. 
he calls up Batman and it's Thomas Wayne instead of Bruce Wayne. And he's like, something's <laughs> wrong here. <laughs> Someone sold a red snapper for 2000 bells, then shut that timeline off. <laughs> they accidentally sold a fossil. I got I got to stop this. Oh, uh, shit. Incredible. Thank you. Thank you, Sonny Rossetti, for keeping order in our timeline. Thanks for everything. Thanks for stopping Beetle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, 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 a, that's a canon that will be hard to sew together. <laughs> Wait, I love the idea that, that Beetle... I'm sorry to bring us back to a week no, ago. It's okay. I love the idea that Beetle fucks with time so badly that it ripples out across every Nintendo franchise. Oh, yeah. Well, if, if the idea that we came to last time is that Beetle is reselling time to make a profit mm-hmm. that is like mr rossetti's like biggest fear <laughs> that's yeah. all you do all you do in animal crossing <laughs> is sell stuff the fact that someone's selling time he can't control that yeah there's only so much sunny rossetti can do in that situation does does mr rossetti become the hero of that game then anti-hero this the whole anti-hero. this comic is mr rossetti is rorschach in that situation <laughs> and beetle yeah. is is dr manhattan i guess <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i'm dizzy I, I don't know what to say or think but yeah, yeah i don't know we'll have to come back to that i think that there's more story to tell there but <laughs> volume one ends with kind of a cliffhanger of like who would we root for you know yeah when there are no heroes left and time has stopped who do you root for yeah who resets rossetti sunny <laughs> Sonny <laughs> Rossetti. Anyway, uh, want to take a quick break? <laughs> I, or was I this do. the break? I don't know. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. See ya. Bye. I did go on the Disney cruise around the same time when I was like 11. Yeah. I've only been to Disney like three times, but a lot happened. So I'm not just like, <laughs> yeah. The 15th time I was on the Disney cruise. Disney Cruise, there's a lot of fun stuff to do. I'd recommend going on it. Um, And they have, like, things to do for all ages. So at that time, I was what was considered a tween, which is kind of interesting. (laughs) It's probably Uh the hardest audience to cater for. It's, like, 11 to 13. Oh, yeah. Woof. That is, that's a tough crowd. Yeah. But one of them was, it was a Bill Nye the Science Guy roller coaster experiment, um, which is also my band name. Follow us on SoundCloud. (laughs) But uh, basically what you did was you, like Roller Coaster Tycoon, made a roller coaster. Yes, so you, I remember doing this. Yep. Yeah, you'd choose like turn left, turn right. And then there was an option like danger. And it would be like falling off the tracks into lava or whatever. Uh-huh. My entire ride was danger. Uh, it was just me like falling forever, basically. Um, there was barely any. It was like a, a blessing if you were on the track at all. And then we had to ride them. So what happened is they somehow uploaded that roller coaster into like those things in the mall where you like you sit it's in like, them and it shakes like you around. Yeah. Yeah. And I rode my roller coaster. It was it like hurt. It was just like me spinning. <laughs> and like <laughs> what it like I don't know if humanity ever was like, we will one day evolve to the point where for fun we will be on a giant boat and pretend to fall. Like how did that <laughs> how did that happen? How did we get here? My my experience with the Disney cruise was um, the chicken tender cart, which was open 24 hours a day. Mm. Uh, so I would always go really late in the night at like 1 a.m. I would go get some chicken and then I would go into they had a movie theater that was always playing movies. But there was like currently <laughs> released movies. 
Um, and I ruined everything my first night there by going to the chicken thing, getting a bunch of chicken, bringing it into the movie theater and sitting down to watch Signs, the M. Night Shyamalan mm. movie, which had just come yeah. out. And I was very young uh, and I watched that and it terrified me. And then I spent the rest of the Disney cruise basically not sleeping because I was terrified that aliens were going to abduct me. Yeah. So then I'm I just so went and watched Lord of the Rings one over and over again. That is a good chaser to science. Yeah. I know. I know everyone says that. Like, oh, he says science. Want to throw on LTR a little bit? <laughs> get the get the brain right on track. Yeah. Yeah. There is a weird scene in, in Lord of the Rings, though, where like during a, like you have my blade and my sword and my axe. If you slow it down, you also hear like <laughs> and it's like an alien in the background, like offering whatever he has. Uh huh. Yeah. During the um, birthday party scene. Yeah. Uh, yeah during, and- <laughs> during Frodo's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end of Return of the King, when everyone's like jumping up and down on Frodo's bed, like in the window, you just see like an alien smiling, proud, yeah. like yeah, I help them. Uh huh. That one scene when they're like, "Oh shit!" It turns out Sauron was actually just allergic to water the whole time. We could have just splashed him <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah, the the ants figure that out. That's why they flood the orc base of water. <laughs> uh huh. Brendan, hello. We're back. <laughs> I ever you since you I, mentioned it in the last episode, I can't like whenever you say Brendan with that exact intonation. I love Brendan. It. Yeah, Brendan. It's hard to say. It's the most natural way to say your name. Maybe I can change up the. I can do an iambic pentameter of your name, like Brendan. Brendan. Yeah, Brendan. Yeah. That's annoying. Um, you and I both got Dark Souls remastered for the Switch. Yes. I have not played it yet. Um, I have played Dark Souls, but I haven't played it on the Switch. I'm very excited because actually I haven't played all the way through the first one. Me either. Um, oh, wow. Okay. So I want to hear how you're feeling it plays on the Switch and just how you feel about everything involved. Yeah. So I started this morning. Um, I have not played like too, too much of it. Um, I yeah. just, I got through the first boss, which is the Taurus Demon. Uh, for those yeah. of you who haven't played it, the Taurus Demon is just this big, big hulking uh centaur kind of dude big hammer he's on a bridge first boss that you go up again so like all of his attacks are really easy to telegraph whenever you can you can basically if you have any like idea how to play a dark souls game and you kind of know how they work like taurus Steam is not too bad i just had the best experience i've ever had playing dark souls though because i i went to the taurus demon uh boss fight arena i turned around because there's some guys that shoot you with arrows from the top so i took them out i was like all right i i remember this part and i i remember how all this works and i'm very excited like i'm just gonna kind of see how i do because i haven't played this game in a long time i'm like still getting used to the controls again i'm still getting used to like the speed of things if i die i die such is life whatever and i and i'm running down the bridge and the taurus demon jumps down and he gives me you know a big growl and whatever and starts coming at me and he swings at me one time and misses and i dodge out of the way and i hit his right foot and he does a little like backwards hop to get away from me and jumps right off the bridge and dies (laughs) (laughs) wow which i had never never, yeah didn't even know that was possible but it was incredible that did happen to me with uh I, i think it is meant to like it's one of the kind of like options of taking out um an enemy but in the area where there's like the metal the metallic boar running around yeah um he just without me doing anything like smashed into like a flaming explosive barrel and then just like <laughs> everyone was wiped out and i got his really cool helmet and i'm like oh this is great yeah uh, that's I, awesome I, 
I remember this being an ordeal, but this time, yeah, no, I guess not. I love running around those games. I, I understand that we haven't talked anything about how it plays on Switch yet, but I just really like running around in those games and you just accumulate souls without doing anything. It's like, well, I guess like somewhere in the world, one of the zombies just like tripped and fell or something. Yeah, someone like sneezed off a cliff and you're like, oh, 30 <laughs> souls. All right. no, th- thanks for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, Dark Souls Remastered on Switch. I will say uh, right up front it does not feel remastered and there's a lot of people on the internet who are angry about this i'm not angry about this personally because i was playing dark souls handheld on a couch earlier uh and it was sick so it runs it at 30 frames per second which is like fine i don't really care about fps personally uh it's like very very stable i haven't had any drops or anything um the one thing that people are complaining about that i do think is worth calling out and this is maybe um this may be a little specific to me because of who I am and the amount of audio that I work with, but the audio in this game is not good. Like it just uh, sounds, it just sounds bad. Um, and the, the main reason that people have kind of landed on for this is they, they hyper compressed all of the audio and in some instances just removed sound bites entirely um, just so it would fit on the cheapest version of a Nintendo switch card that exists. Um, a, a really brilliant thing that, that Nintendo did for the switch was they have different tiers of Switch uh, game cartridges. Um, one of them is 4 gigs. I think that's the cheapest one, and then 8 and then 16. But basically, yeah. it's like, okay, how big is your game? You know, and, and just like, if, if it has to fit on the 8, then whatever. You know, <laughs> like, that's just how much you're going to have to pay for production. Band, uh, Bandai Namco, in this case, compressed the game down so much that it fits. It's like 3.9 gigs, so it fits mm. on the cheapest one. And everybody's saying like, oh, it's just because you compressed all the audio, made it sound terrible, and like removed half of it from the game. Um, I notice it, but again, I am like hyper attuned to sound in things. Um, so that, I don't know, that kind of does bother me a little bit because I'll mm. notice it in certain instances and not in others. But besides that, it is sick. It is Dark Souls on the Switch, and it plays perfectly and rules uh, and it just feels so natural. I played it a little bit in handheld and a little bit docked. Um, and you and I have talked a lot on this show um, earlier on when you got a switch. And that was like all we talked about for like 10 episodes. Yeah. Um, like there are just some games that work better docked and some that work better handheld. And this is a game where I do find myself like the like um, Zelda Breath of the Wild flipping back and forth between the two constantly. Yeah. And I find myself, at least today, I know I've only had it for one day so far, but I have found myself playing way more than I thought I would because I have that option. Um, yeah. I do cool. find that, like, you know, Hollow Knight comes to mind in terms of, like, a game that I also enjoy docked yeah. or on TV. And during especially tough boss fights in Hollow Knight or tough areas, I found it somehow more... Um, natural to do handheld because I feel like something about holding it in front of me interesting and like the precision I don't even know if it's more precise but um, having like everything kind of in my grasp made me feel a bit more in control I'm not sure why no I get that um, that's interesting yeah so I'll probably do that with Dark Souls because yeah I, I do understand the frustrations with the term remastered and like how that's kind of like a like weird gray area in terms of what that means I do think some people earlier on we're thinking that this is going to be like, I think everyone's dream was like Dark Souls one on the Dark Souls three engine, you know, right? Yeah. Um, which like obviously that would be incredible. But I got into the series through Bloodborne, which is still my favorite one in the kind of Soulsborne series. Also my favorite, um, yeah. I uh, really love Dark Souls three. I haven't played two, not for any particular reason. I just haven't gotten to it. 
So I have Dark Souls 1 for my 360. My 360 controller is kind of like, it has just been damaged over time, so it doesn't really like, the, the register for attack is a bit off. And in a game like Dark Souls, you just can't have that. Yeah. Like, it's just not an option yeah. to be like, well, everything's out of my control. So I got it solely because I wanted to play the first one through on a system that like I currently have like active in my in my living room. Right. Um, so I'm I'm happy to do it. But I, I can't understand someone being like, oh, I have this on every system. Why should I have it on the switch? Um, and I get that. But yeah. in my case, it just worked out wonderfully because, oh, this is a system that I'm actively playing. And again, having it on the go is cool. I do worry about if I were to play it on the train or something and people would see me get like extremely frustrated like yeah. in public. Um, just throw your as, switch down yeah. the train car. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm happy to hear it plays well. And that is a bummer about the audio. But, you know, I guess... I, I guess that is the thing to sacrifice if you have to compress it to the cheapest uh, game cartridge. Although it seems like, you know, they could have maybe put it on a bigger one. Um, yeah. Know. Honestly, like, is is it preventing me from playing the game? Absolutely not. Is it is it a thing I notice while I'm playing? Yes. But I'm still having a very good time playing yeah, it. Yeah, um, sure. And it it honestly, it feels like playing it on my PC when it first came out. Um, you know whatever amount of years ago and i'm perfectly okay with that i think like you and i had a conversation once where we were just talking about how uh the first year of switch was just like moving a lot of stuff from the wii over to the switch um and i think there's still like a lot of stuff in the pipeline for that like we haven't gotten mario maker on switch Mm. yet um that is a thing that i'm perfectly comfortable with that to me does not feel like nintendo like cheaping out or whatever that feels like i get to take these awesome games that basically no one played and just bring them on the go with me. Um, and the fact that that's rippling out now to games like Skyrim and to games like uh, Dark Souls is awesome. I'm, I'm into that. It doesn't have to be remastered. You could take away the remastered, you know, part of the name of Dark Souls remastered, and I would be perfectly happy to have that on my Switch, you know? Yeah. I think it's also a cool way to kind of... I mean, you know, for these older games that, like, you would have to buy a system to play. It's cool that they continuously like re-release them. Um, yeah. You know, I think that, um, and that's kind of what makes it tricky with like the idea of archiving games or like the history of games. Like how do you, how does, how do you let someone experience games of the past without having to like buy a used Super Nintendo for like $300 on, yeah. on, on eBay or whatever. Yeah. Um, My solution to that usually is just emulation. Yeah, um, I, you. I don't know if we've ever talked about this on the podcast, but I, I have um, the Nvidia Shield TV, which is an Android TV set-top box that Nvidia made, um, and I think continues to make. I don't think it's discontinued or whatever. But anyway, um, I have you know just a lot of ROMs on that thing, and it runs a lot of different uh, different emulators, and it runs I think up through GameCube. But that does mean that everything post GameCube is lost to time for now until emulation can catch up, and like that's going to be a long time probably. Yeah. Yeah, probably. But I guess that is the long-term thing. I guess it would be cool to see uh, see how that unfolds. You know? Yeah. Well, how a did- really interesting and smart thing that Microsoft has been doing, because they basically lost this console generation. Like, they just, like, kind of, yeah. they dropped the ball, like, when they announced the thing and have just been playing catch-up ever since. Um, they have been creating this foundation of everything is going to be backwards compatible. Xbox, original Xbox games. Uh, I can't call it Xbox One. 
Um, yeah. Original Xbox games and Xbox 360 games are backwards compatible on the Xbox One right now. Um, and they're just adding support for more and more and more and more as time goes on. And that is going to continue into next generation. Whatever that generation ends up being called, like, I would bet you anything that it will be backwards compatible with the original Xbox 360, Xbox One, and will play whatever the new thing is. I would um, buy that. I would absolutely yeah. buy that because I like I have an Xbox 360 hanging out still. It's not in great shape. Whenever I turn it on, it goes like, you know, just like <laughs> begging for death. Yeah. Um, I treat my systems well. It's something about the 360. It just is like it's that was a notoriously meant- like uh, defunct, broken thing, though. Yeah. Know? The red ring but of like, death and everything. I have all the like I was actually considering like do I want to trade in my 360 just to kind of have like just the systems that I that I want and the reason I have my Wii and 360 still is because the Wii is backwards compatible with GameCube so I have a yeah. ton of games that I would love to revisit occasionally um alongside the handful of Wii games and two uh the, the 360 games like the Mass Effect trilogy I mean mm-hmm. so many that like I can never part with even if I'm yeah. not playing them all the time um so for there to be a new Xbox that can play all those games and whatever's coming out and, you know, gems from the first Xbox, like Jet Set Radio Future. Uh, yeah. I mean, how fun would it be to revisit like the first Halo, you know, just like on that yeah. um, or I don't, I don't even like Halo, but I would probably pick up the, the I would I would totally go into like a dumpster dive of Xbox the real Xbox Xbox one games. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of hidden gems there blinks the uh, time sweeper <laughs> there were actually a lot of dreamcast series that i feel like were that was sort of like a lot of the dreamcast like teams went to xbox yeah one xbox one one as we'll call it <laughs> <laughs> um uh-huh. i'm really just thinking of jet set radio feature because like i love that game um yeah. but yeah i, I, I would bet you anything that that is what happens next gen because like right now the xbox one is pretty sick if you're into that back catalog of things. Yeah. Um, like, I, I think they just added support for Red Dead Redemption, like the original one leading up oh, to the cool. new game coming out, stuff like that. Like, they're continually rolling out backwards compatibility for things. Um, and if that next generation starts and they get out on stage and they say, hey, the Xbox 2 or whatever they end up calling it, um, <laughs> will play everything from every Xbox console generation, like, out of the box that suddenly becomes a really compelling thing to buy day one because you're not just waiting for games to be released the same way we are, you know, in in previous generations, which is cool. Yeah, absolutely. It is funny to think Xbox, Xbox 360, Xbox One, Xbox Two, it seems like out of order of like how a movie would usually title stuff. Yeah. (laughs) um, We'll see. I would love Xbox to come back. I know we have like inadvertently kind of knocked Xbox One this generation, but it's really just because there's not really much up our alleys that that that's exclusive to it, other than like Cuphead. I'm not going to buy an Xbox for Cuphead. That's also on PC, but I got a Mac, so yeah. You know. And we all know that eventually that exclusivity is going to run out, and Cuphead's going to show up on Switch or PS4 or something. Oh my god, I would love Cuphead on Switch. That would be like my dream. Yeah. Um, yeah i love that i love that i love that i love the new xbox too uh, oh. <laughs> uh should we wrap up yeah i think so okay oh my god i feel like that th- we still struggle with the sign off so much i'm like trying to avoid all the weird stuff we stumbled into the last couple of weeks 
Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll just in and out. Ready? Yeah. Uh, if you like the show, rate us on iTunes. That'd be great. Uh, we have a Twitter account. It's at into the cast. Uh, and actually, that's it. Thanks, everyone who has done either of those two things already. Yeah, it's it's eternally nice to see like this early this this amount of support early on um, is really, really cool because, you know, we're still we're really enjoying this and we're still kind of finding, you know, a, a, a format for the show and trying out new stuff. And uh, it means a lot that people are listening and, and actively reaching out to say how much they like it. It's really, really flattering. Yes. Um, yeah, but other than that, uh, we're excited for what's on the horizon. Um, nothing really too new other than things we talked about. And then obviously a lot of the bigger titles will be coming out around Christmas time, um, around the holiday season. So yep, we'll, uh, the show will probably just become a Super Smash Brothers podcast at a certain point. But, <laughs> um, Hosted by Flip and Scratch. <laughs> exactly. Let's talk tier lists. Who's <laughs> broken? You think Lucas is all innocent when he shows up to school with his backpack, but he's got psychic powers and a really powerful down A. <laughs> uh-huh. We've done the math and um Lucas is broken. Um <laughs> Who is that? Is that a third member of the podcast? That's Scratch's dad. <laughs> <laughs> sunny scratch oh yeah yeah all right so he, he pops in the show but it's you can hear him whispering like scratch it's time for bed can you please but dad it's my show i gotta record it i who's listening <laughs> your non-existent audience is not prioritized over my sleep do you know who pays the bills for the dad you don't have to get so weird do you know who builds your life scratch I, I, I'm glad that um, I'm glad that Scratch's dad has stopped calling him Benedict and has started calling him his, <laughs> his new name, Scratch. <laughs> Benedict, that's really good. All right, I'm gonna call I'm me gonna... Scratch, Dad. <laughs> call me Scratch, Sonny. I got his dad. His name Sonny. There's a weird like Sam Shepard kind of struggle there. I feel. Uh-huh. Anyway. Thank anyway, my name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. My name is Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. You're awesome. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Have goodbye. a great week. Have a great week. All right. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs>